0: Welcome to Behold, the podcast where we turn our all-seeing eye to the world of comic book adaptations and try to sort the super from the substandard. Who's we? Well, I'm your host, Andrew, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Mick. Hello! And this week, we have a third member to our crime-busting team. It uh, it took him a while to re- reassemble himself after that freak lab accident disintegrated him, <laughs> but Graham's back!
1: Hello there, been a while, hasn't it?
0: It has indeed, and eagle brained listeners may realise that kind of the most recent ones you've been on for I think unless I'm forgetting another one are from Hell and Reef Vendetta. So it seemed only right that you bring that we bring you back for the uh, Alan Moore hat trick question mark.
2: I'm, I'm gonna have to stop you there. Oh this isn't an Alan Moore episode.
1: Oh, of course,
2: yes. Oh, of course, yes. This is
0: based on the comic book illustrated by Dave Gibbons Ah, and written by no no, no. one.
2: What it says is co-created by Dave Gibbons. Co-created. It doesn't mention anyone else being involved, just co-created by Dave Gibbons.
1: Also, I must say that eagle-brained is not as much of a compliment as eagle-eyed since you are essentially calling the listeners bird brains
2: <laughs> and he wonders why the listening figures are dipping
0: <laughs> look i'm just our real listeners know what they're getting in for <laughs> so yes uh, as as you may have guessed from what well, I was the podcast title Uh, Today we are going to be talking about Zack Snyder's Watchmen, a Zack Snyder film by Zack Snyder,
3: (laughs) which is is... Zack Snyderverse.
1: It's 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 not technically. You'll DC have form for suddenly deciding that Watchmen has always existed in their universe, so it could be in the future.
2: Even though it's distributed by Paramount.
3: Oh yeah.
0: Yeah, that that might be a bigger stumbling block. (laughs) So, yeah, this is the 2005 film directed by Zack Snyder, uh, written by David Hayter, Solid Snake himself, and Alex C, and Zack Snyder by Zack Snyder. (laughs) Did I mention that Zack Snyder's involved in this film?
1: It, It has been heavily Snyder, it's true.
2: It was produced by Mrs. Snyder as well.
1: Yes.
0: Oh, keeping it in the family.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: So, yes, Snyder warning. Before we go any further, there will be heavy Snyders for the rest of the podcast.
0: Yes. Indeed. God help us all.
2: uh, For those of you who like these things quantified, I put this firmly at a six on the Snyder scale.
0: Is more Sniders good or bad?
1: What do you think? Well, let, let's let's see how many Sniders does Sucker Punch have. Two hundred
2: and forty-seven.
1: Yeah, more Sniders are bad.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> and that's out of ten.
0: <laughs> so, I guess to kick things off, this uh, is Watchmen comic book. Either of you ever heard of it? Can't say it rings a bell with me.
1: Uh, I I I. I've never read it uh, because I am under the impression that comic books are just for kids and will never, if you will, grow up. I'm pretty sure that if comics had grown up, uh, there would be some helpful newspaper article that would have, uh, that would have let me in on this.
2: You. Alerted you to the fact. Yeah. Well, your problem is, Graham, that you don't subscribe to the new Frontiersman. That's the problem. <laughs>
1: I said, oh, my mum gets the mail.
2: But yes, um, I, I was part of the the ferrari that surrounded um, Watchmen when it came out because certainly the Morley Observer, the local rag where I lived, that alerted me to the fact that comics had, as you put it, grown up.
1: Yes. And if the Morley the Observer have uh, paid it attention, it must be a seismic cultural phenomenon.
2: I lie. The Morley Observer have never even heard of comics. They don't even have a little strip, <laughs>
3: they
2: barely have a crossword.
0: Anyway. So,
1: yeah, we've all read Watchmen a thousand times, I think, is what we're basically circling yeah. here.
0: Yes. But, like, I mean, pretty much anyone who's a comic fan, we've read Watchmen. I, I suspect we probably all like Watchmen.
2: Oh,
3: yeah.
0: That's
2: good. You could, say, you could say that we're the answer to the question on the window pane during the riot scene in Watchmen.
1: Yes.
0: Okay, good. Well, <laughs> now that we've got the obvious out the way... Uh, I'm going to move on to my next point, which is that I bloody hate Watchmen.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> what well, the comic, the TV show, the film, oh, the, the comic, or, or, or the animated webisodes, or the animated comic, motion comic, or the collectible action figure range, or the uh, spin-off Doomsday Clock. Uh, series.
1: Or the viral video Saturday morning Watchmen. And well, I hope it isn't that because that is excellent.
0: No, no, I could never hate Strong Together United Forever. They're the best of friends. When trouble's about, you better watch out for the Watchmen.
1: John can give you cancer and
0: turn and into a car. <laughs> <laughs> what
2: drugs are you two on?
1: Have you not seen this? Even Alan Moore has seen this and he lives in a medieval castle or something.
2: I need a link and I need it now.
1: Okay, okay. Yes. I'll bring one. For any listeners
0: who are potentially in the same boat as Mick, this is a cartoon on YouTube by Harry Partridge called Saturday Morning Watchmen, which as it sounds is Watchmen in the style of a Saturday morning cartoon. (laughs) Brilliant. But yeah, back back to the point I was making. Alan Moore mm. and Dave Gibbons' Watchmen is a fantastic comic. It's you know basically proved that comics can be more than just very simplistic black and white storytelling. The art's incredible. The storytelling is intricate, and essentially, what happened was alan Moore and dave gibbons kind of took like this beautiful watch and they disassembled it and they showed you all the component parts of you know this is how you make a watch here are how you can remove bits and you know maybe now you can take all these bits and make a new better watch and then what a bunch of people did was they took all those parts shoved them in front of a bunch of people who've never seen a watch before in their lives and gone this is good this pile of gears and springs this is what watches should be like and now <laughs> we have so many other watches where it's just here's a lump of gears It's just a nasty horrible mean comic about a bunch of people who are arseholes because they think that's what good storytelling is
1: I mean, unquestionably true, and also basically Alan Moore's critique of the modern comics industry, isn't it? That He said that he and Dave Gibbons were trying to make something that would show that comics had completely untapped narrative potential that nobody had really bothered to explore, and what the industry took from it was, hooray, superheroes can rape now!
0: Yeah, we, we have a whole generation of people going, Wow, Rorschach's so cool. <laughs>
1: yes, one of which, maybe young Zachary Snyderidge, but I guess we'll get on to that.
0: Yes, yes, we will. Because <laughs> that's, that's how it all ties together, like a big red string conspiracy board.
2: <laughs> so, so I don't think Andrew still asked, answered the question, which watchman it is that he doesn't like.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I do mean just the central comic, oh, right, because right. for for essentially ruining comics for like decades afterwards.
2: But the comic itself didn't do that, did it? That was just the mis- misinterpretation of the aim of the comic by the rest of the industry. Yes,
0: okay, Mick, I'm I'm being whimsical and facetious as I'm as is my want.
2: I mean, it's 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 you know. It's like when they told the advertising industry that they could advertise sanitary products on TV, but they had to be tasteful with it. I mean, that was not likely to happen, was it?
0: Yeah, I think maybe what I'm saying, which might be a shock to anyone who's listened to our Justice League episode, is that I just hate Zack Snyder. (laughs)
3: Right. Okay.
2: I I just want to point out that I am sick to death of people running on this and jumping on this Zack Snyder hating bandwagon that I built.
1: (laughs) I I think if we're laying our cards on the table, I want to say this at the start. I will no doubt be very critical of this movie as we go on. Uh, But it is probably the most flawed movie that i basically always enjoy re-watching i've stuck it on many a time and always you know had a good time with it despite being able to see that it has glaring flaws there that ought to to get the uh, federal communications (laughs) commission off my back that's an impartial broadcast now good let's carry on
0: okay good yeah also, I guess, like, the last thing I wanted to say with that is I think, as well, something with Watchmen and the whole misinterpreting, basically, the entire themes of it, Mm. is you can pretty much draw a straight line from that to what I've mentioned before is maybe my least favorite thing in comics is just the endless bloody evil Superman.
3: Yes.
1: No, absolutely, uh, which is one thing that I think actually holds up very well about Watchmen, which is that their version of Superman is not evil at all, but his powers have made him so completely remote from everyday people and their problems that he frequently behaves extremely callously. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's, that's something that I generally found very interesting about superhero comics, that Maybe doesn't get explored as much as I would like it to, of just this idea of, oh no, when you're that powerful, you just completely experience the world in a different way.
3: Mm, yeah,
0: which you know has so in, much in great storytelling potential. Like maybe what case. Alan Moore intended.
2: In his case, start bollock naked.
1: Yes, you can experience the world in a new, danglier fashion.
2: Who's going to make you dress in a morning,
3: Ed, That's the question.
1: That's an untapped Watchmen story, isn't it? If DC want to haul this thing out anymore, I want a comic book about the multiple government advisors who've been vaporised for telling Dr Manhattan that he could just, you know, put some trousers on.
2: If you try and make me put pants on tomorrow morning, I'll give you cancer. <laughs>
1: And turn into a car.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think now is perhaps the point at which all the podcast listeners look up and shout, Synopsize the plot! <laughs> and I whisper down, uh, "Spoilers this follow, ahead.
2: Followed follow closely by them shouting, Go on, we dare you!
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: which, which cut are you synopsizing? Original, director's, ultimate
0: Oh yeah This is I was potentially going to watch the director's cut But I could only find the original cut when I was looking online Same And I'm also absolutely not going to watch the ultimate cut With like The Tales from the Black Friday cartoon Just randomly shoved in there as well
3: (laughs) (laughs) Because yes, yes That's your problem
0: Mim- mimicking the structure of a comic book is going to go great for this film. <laughs> anyway, strap in, everyone, because we've got a heck of a synopsis to get through.
2: As you well, as you as you go through the this list of who's that in Hollywood,
0: pretty much it is a <laughs> star-studded cast, isn't it? <laughs> Anyway, the year is 1985. Nixon in his, is in his third term as president, or at least someone wearing like a big Richard Nixon rubber mask is in his third term as president. <laughs> and tensions with the Soviet Union are increasing as the doomsday clock inches closer to midnight. Much of the events of this alternate history have been shaped by the emergence of masked heroes who are now outlawed by the government. Edward Blake, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, the former crime fighter and government agent known as the Comedian is murdered by an unknown assailant who throws him out his apartment window. Rorschach, played by Jackie Earl Haley, a vigilante who refused to give up his identity, investigates the comedian's death. Suspecting that someone may be specifically targeting heroes, he warns other retired crime fighters. These include Sadsack Dan Dryberg, Patrick Wilson, formerly Night Owl, businessman Adrian Veidt, Matthew Good, Formerly uh, Osamandius, also looks suspiciously like the man who killed the comedian. But don't, don't worry about that; I'm sure it's nothing.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Laurie Jupiter oh, it
2: looks nothing like Jeremy Irons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that's again another untold story of Watchmen. That's
2: the weird thing about this, isn't it? The TV spin-off has got a more all-star cast than the bloody
0: movie. <laughs> yes. It's also, so it's a bit weird that the TV spin-off. Is a TV spin-off of the comic book, not this film. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I do sometimes wonder what people who've only seen the film make of the opening to that episode where we see uh Tim Blake Nelson's character's origin story. It's like, what the fuck is that squid yeah. and why does it never get revisited?
0: Yeah, why why is Buster Scruggs surrounded by tentacles?
2: <laughs> Everybody's gonna have a hobby.
0: I'm
1: just here for the Precision Corn Brothers reference.
0: Thank you. You, you can actually blame the comic book writer Kirp Busiek for that one. Ah. Because he posted on Twitter the clip of when a cowboy trades in his spurs for wings. <laughs> well, that's been stuck in my head all day. <laughs> uh, anyway, Laurie Jupiter, played, and I'm using the word played very generously here by Malin Ackerman. Uh, formerly the Silk Spectre, and her boyfriend, John Osterman, Billy Cridup, a.k.a. Dr. Manhattan, the world's only superhero.
2: I've got a problem with the Silk Spectre in both both generations. Their outfit is impractical because the one part where a femoral arterial bleed is likely to cause a major problem is the one bit that's exposed in both versions of the costume. Please continue.
1: That's definitely the only impractical thing about those costumes, yes. right? <laughs>
2: Rorschach's mask is really cool, though.
0: <laughs> it is. Speaking of Rorschach, as he continues to investigate the murder, Laurie and John break up over John's increased detachment from humanity. It uh, Dr Manhattan then takes part in a TV interview where a journalist ambushes him with news that his powers may have caused many of his former friends to die of cancer. Overwhelmed, he teleports away to Mars and does not turn into a car. (laughs) Link's
1: in the chat, by the way, Mick, if you want to have a look at that after, uh, after we finish.
0: Right, lovely. Dan and Laurie begin a relationship and Rorschach is framed for murder and arrested. Uh, deciding to resume their costumed identities, Night Owl and Silk Spectre break Rorschach out and join his investigation. They discover that Adrian may have been the one who murdered Blake. G- gasp. Shock. I-, I know. Very much a surprise. Hey,
2: you spotted <laughs> that quite early on.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Now, you see, Batman's supposed to be the world's greatest detective, but <laughs> the honest, Grave. You've never seen him and Andrew in the same room.
3: No, it's true.
0: Oh no, I can't believe... Once again, another thing to blame Zack Snyder for is he's now blown my secret identity.
1: Does he know? Question mark over a picture of Mick.
0: (laughs) Oh my god, I'm going to have to shove a big table out the way and turn my floor into a weird crime (laughs) scene thing, aren't I? Ah
1: yes, the only accredited method of direction floor-based nutty room (laughs) sleuthing.
0: And he doesn't even hang from the ceiling while he looks at it. (laughs) Anyway, Night Owl and Rorschach go to confront Ozymandias at his Antarctic base while Laurie is teleported to Mars by John. Uh, Dr. Manhattan reveals that the comedian was Laurie's real father and agrees to return with her to Earth. Unfortunately, our heroes are all too late to stop Ozymandias from detonating a series of energy bombs across the world and framing it as an attack by Dr. Manhattan. Uh, His plan is to kill millions to save billions by uniting the world against a common enemy and preventing the impending nuclear arm again between the US and Russia. Seeing his logic, most most of the others agree to keep Adrian's plan a secret, all except for Rorschach, who Dr. Manhattan kills before leaving for another galaxy. Uh, A short time later, Adrian's plan seems to have worked. However, a newspaper publisher finds Rorschach's journal in their power of submissions, leaving the future uncertain.
1: Yes, that's impressive. That's a lot of plot to get through, and I think you did it admirably.
3: Yes.
0: Why, thank you. Certainly much more concisely than Zack Snyder did. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so much easier It's so much, it's so easy to be more concise than Zack Snyder
0: I mean,
1: I will say that in the years since Watchmen was published People have clung on to any bit of news about how it, it might be about to be made by Terry Gilliam It might be about to be made by Darren Aronofsky It might be about to be made by Paul Greengrass And I think we all accepted that to get this thing on screen, there would have to be some serious cuts. And I think if if Zack Snyder's addiction to unbelievably long run times has given us one good thing, and it has only given us one good thing, (laughs) uh, it's the fact that, yes, there is more of Watchmen in this film than most of us ever thought possible.
2: Well, I mean, that's the thing, and I think... um... When it came out, it had widely been put forward as the one comic that was unfilmable. Mm. Um, Although, at that point, no one had tried the Inkle. So, um, (laughs) the... I think at the time it worked because people were just so thrilled to see it on a big screen. I, for one, was. and It, yeah. is, it is my favorite Zack Snyder movie. Certainly. Um,
0: yeah, as as much as that is not a competitive field, I would agree.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean the bar is low. It has to be said, but yes, it is my favorite Zack Snyder film.
0: Yeah, and like I, I will say, I did love this when it first came out, and I saw it. I guess I was seventeen and I was definitely under eighteen.
3: Because <laughs> I had this on, whole elaborate plan. On. What was about...
2: the certificate on this? <laughs> you degenerate.
0: That's right. See
2: you're the problem with this city.
0: See, this is this is why I can't be Batman. Because I <laughs> would never stoop so low as to sneaking into the cinema.
3: <laughs>
2: This is why the city smells of fornication.
0: Dead dog in alleyway. Its stomach
1: burst by tire track. Seventeen-year-old sneaking into eighteen-certificate movie. This city is afraid of me. I have seen its true face.
2: You want to see the American dream? <laughs> <laughs> Question. Mm. At what school of acting, I mean, presumably the one male in Ackerman that goes to, um, does the um, way of portraying lack of oxygen look exactly the same as vomiting through transportation sickness? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I suppose it would be a very different scene if she suddenly started swelling up like that guy at the end of Live and Let Die.
0: Oh, that would be good. I mean, surely they've just still got the prosthetics from Total Recall. They could just. <laughs> 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 But yeah, also, also,
2: I think the I think the other reason that Rorschach finds that the city smells of fornication is because that's all the bloody heroes are doing in it.
1: <laughs> I mean, there isn't that much sex in it. It just it's just that the one major sex scene there is is yet further proof that Zack Snyder should be banned from directing sex scenes.
2: Well, you say there isn't that much sex in it. There's more sex in it than there needs to be for a superhero movie, and most of it involves Merlin Ackerman.
1: I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> needs is such a. There's more sex in it than there is in a usual superhero movie, but that, like best Zack Snyder movie, is the lowest bar it is possible to <laughs> vault over. Uh, I didn't think there was that much sex in it, really. Maybe I've been desensitized. I'm a Valerian Boratich fan. I mean, I don't. Right,
2: yeah, maybe. No, I, it, it's just. Um... It's no
1: lost girls.
2: <laughs> I um. I just found it a bit OTT for the extended scene with Daniel and um, Laurie. Laurie.
1: It feels OTT because Zack Snyder films these scenes like <laughs> a gymnastics competition. If it looked like people having sex, it might yeah. not hit you as being it, could, as could gratuitous. Well be.
2: Could well be that. <laughs>
0: And if the music choice was not Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah.
1: God, who doesn't get the horn when they hear your Leonard Cohen's voice? Come on.
2: I mean, mean, what else are you going to choose? Barry White? I mean, you
1: know. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these music cues are straight from the comic book, so we, we can't really uh, chide him too much for that but it it goes back to that question doesn't it, you know, how much should you take from a comic book, I I remember seeing 300 back when everyone was raving about it and thinking I can see how that would be a very exciting series of splash pages but doesn't move does it it's not a move (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean I, I think that's Kind of Watchmen in a nutshell is the best yeah. and worst thing about it is how slavishly it is devoted, at least significant to just straight up adapting significant parts of it, just you know scene for scene. Mm.
2: There, there are several, there are several frames of the movie that you could just snip out and paste over the top of the. Yes. Yes.
0: yes, and you know, for some things and that
2: weirdly, works really weirdly, well. But I- in, in the cuts where they didn't put the animated Tales from the Black Freighter in, the kid is overly significant suddenly. He gets oh, yeah, a is old, time it? for someone who's not doing anything.
1: It's strange, that, isn't it? Because it's like, the, those people are just stand-ins for the whole of New York in the comic And I think that works fine because it's a kind of literary device. They're a Greek chorus. Yeah. In the movie, I suppose because it is a movie and we're used to seeing movies that display cities as being sort of real bustling metropolises, it feels very weird that the only people in this version of new york are either superheroes or one news agent and the kid who always goes there (laughs) No the human (laughs) life is recorded until everyone gets killed
3: at the end
2: that's it adrian bites plan kill two to save billions And it's possibly only because the newsagent never has the new issue of the new frontiersman in stock.
1: (laughs) Adrian Veidt. We must discuss Adrian Veidt.
0: Yeah, he is... I mean, just I should probably point out I think a lot of the performances in this film are absolutely incredible. Yeah. Like, Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach is possibly the most perfect bit of casting you could ever ask for.
3: Yes, yeah.
0: Jeff in In Morgan utterly fantastic.
1: Thank you, uncannily good. My favorite performance of the film.
0: Yeah, I think Billy Crudup. He at least works like probably a solid seventy percent of the time, especially like the very flat, emotionless parts. And like when he's doing the whole monologue on Mars of the. It is 1953 and I have left my watch in there. That's all fantastic. But some of the bits where he is actually emotional kind of feel a bit. uh. Uh. But no, for the most part, Grace, uh, Patrick Wilson, always very good. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Malin Ackerman and Matthew Good.
3: Matthew Good's
0: poorly named. Let's be honest. I think Matthew Good is, I was going to say, a good actor but you, you know what I mean.
3: <laughs>
1: well, he's very good. I, I like his performance very much in Park Chan-wook's film Stoker, but that sort of shines a light as to why he doesn't work here, because his his performance in Stalker is like we need somebody who's an absolutely volcanically obvious creep from the moment you clap eyes on him. Oh, Matthew Good, obviously. Yeah,
0: he's I think Matthew could be a really good Dracula, because yes. he like he's basically Dracula.
1: Wait, it's it's such a strange thing, isn't it? Because his Ozymandias appearance in the comic struck me as being so obviously based off Robert Redford that I I strongly believe that the. The mention of Robert Redford that comes in at the end is just a way to lampshade that of saying, oh, it's OK, we're not really you know, making Robert Redford our supervillain. There's a Robert Redford in this world as well. And I think when you make Watchmen, you need someone who has that absolute golden boy status to draw people off the scent because it's not the most complex mystery. You know, and in the book, that's fine. It's an acceptable flaw for there being so much else going on. But it beggars belief that this creepy, vaguely Teutonic guy dressed in George Clooney's Batman's cast-offs is the most (laughs) beloved man in America.
2: I think I have to take exception to that. He's not that shiny. (laughs)
0: I you think he just sanded the nipples off before the film yeah. started? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's one of Snyder's things, isn't it? He's very concerned about the appearance of things, but not very concerned about their meaning. I can understand why someone seeking to make a film of Watchmen would, rather than go to the comic, go to superhero movies for the costume design and set design to extend the comics critique of superheroes into the medium it's being transplanted into. But it's just sort of okay, Ozymandias looks like he's in a Joel Schumacher movie. And you know, what <laughs> does that say about Ozymandias? I don't know.
0: Yeah, I think it's also missing one of the points of Ozymandias is that like his whole appearance is supposed to be the very clean-cut, chisel-jawed Yes. Is it like he's just stepped out of a comic from the 30s.
1: Mm, absolutely.
0: Because that's the point. He is the most, this is obviously a hero type person. So it's, you know, at least a bit of a twist when he's the villain.
3: Yes.
2: He's a kind of amalgamation of Captain America and Superman, isn't
3: he? Yeah. And
1: that, that's, you know, one of the reasons why the twist works is that when you see him do things that are in retrospect obvious setup, like catching the bullet, you just think, oh, well, that's clearly meant to establish him as even more awesome than we thought.
0: Yeah, and, and it's a good critique of comics because they do stick to this very, the heroes are all, you know, tall hmm. and handsome and well built and all the villains of, you know, big noses or. Kind of wonky hmm.
1: teeth. Yes, facial hold on, scars. Hold
2: on. Uh, that, the, the big no thing. Richard Nixon was not a crook. I saw that interview where he said it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you think what that's what's happened with Nixon in this? is He's actually just it's... got a Pinocchio thing where his nose is kept <laughs> on <the end>. going. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It does just become Futurama in that scene, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: yeah. It really does. <laughs> Keep expecting the ending of Watchmen to just be him coming out with his head, like, fused onto a giant robot body. Yeah. Yes.
1: His secret plan to break into people's houses and steal all of
3: their stuff.
2: Yes. Yeah. That's, um, that's Watchmen too. <laughs> It's on James
0: Gunn's new DC slate. Yeah, that, that was a funny episode of *Future Armor*, wasn't it? Where you, you had that guy who was so obviously corrupt, but then still got voted in as the president anyway.
1: Wild times, yeah, a cr- crazy satire. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Speaking of, I guess that's also a problem I have with *Watchmen* now. Is I think the ending rings a lot more hollow of just the idea that anyone would read Rorschach's journal and go, oh, no, he's accused Ozymandias of doing these bad things. He'll probably face some kind of consequence now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that the TV series, which I'm I'm not going to rehash at length because we have done an episode on this, but it is so much better than it has any right to be. And part of the reason is that it, it gets that, spot on. You know, Rorschach's journal is published, and it attracts a loyal, devoted audience among the same piss-smelling fascist weirdos who read the New Frontiersman. So it doesn't really change anything. It's fantastic. It's like, that is a Guardian Knot moment, isn't it? For all this comic keeps referencing the Guardian Knot, that is Damon Lindelof looking at the polarised arguments about whether Rorschach's journal would change anything and go this really simple explanation that no one's talking about
3: yeah
0: yeah which is that people don't care and also this was written by an
3: absolute (laughs) yes yeah
1: But it's that characterization of Rorschach as an absolute lunatic that's been one of the more divisive parts of Watchmen's legacy, hasn't it? Which I think we've hinted at earlier on.
0: Yeah, because that's been one of the big big problems is people just see Rorschach, and I think even Alan Moore described it as they just see sort of the surface level of it, mm. of just oh yeah, he you know he's tough, and he beats up the bad guys. So he's cool and a goody.
1: I think it maybe has has been a problem with, well, until very recently, uh, people have not had to live with that sense of, like, possible nuclear annihilation being something that could happen. So you just yeah. see all of these people willing to cover up the deaths of millions of people. Uh and then you see Rorschach as the one person who stands firm and won't do that. And in that framework, it's very easy to admire him. The problem is, is that if you stop covering up the deaths of millions of people, you're going to kill billions of people.
0: Yeah, and I think it's also, it's just remembering, and maybe I'd even say this is a bit of a problem with the original comic, mm. is as much as Rorschach, you know, is you could even make an argument that he is in the right, that you no know, morally it is wrong to allow all these people to die, yeah. and also you get all these scenes where it's like, oh he's you know he's he's broken into Dan's house and he's just eating beans out of tin cold that wacky raw shack, <laughs> but you know underneath all of that he is also a deranged psychopath who probably hates women.
1: There is a very odd
0: moment.
2: Oh, are you saying that people who. Are- eat cold beans out of the tin a deranged psychopath
1: i mean it's not good no. the only accept why we have ask-
2: microwaves, uh, the friend. only
1: acceptable reason to eat cold beans out of a tin is if you're in a western and it's night and you don't want your enemies to see you've lit a fire
2: okay i'll tell my friend that. <laughs>
3: But there's there's a really
1: there's something that really bothers me in this where Snyder puts his thumb on the scales for Rorschach, and it's that from the opening credits onwards, this film absolutely backs up Rorschach's belief that Adrian Vice is gay, which is something that in the comics is this lunatic piece of bigotry that Rorschach's just conjured up because he doesn't like right? And indeed, I remember Jackie L. Haley saying, you know, for him, when he was reading the script, that's the moment where he thought, oh, there's something here. You know, this guy isn't just a masked hero who's going to kick ass. This is a really yeah. disturbing far-right nutter. Uh, but,
0: yeah, I mean, but basically, Rorschach is Travis Bickle. Yes,
1: exactly, yes. You know, that that, the impact of that moment is dulled significantly when Adrian White is hanging out at Studio 54 with the village people and has a file on his computer marked boys. Everyone has that, by the way, don't you? According to your sexual preference, you have one folder on your desktop that is just marked boys or girls or both. That's how sexuality works, isn't it? It is, yes.
3: Yeah, by yeah, my think, super I secret password-protected computer.
1: Oh boy, I yes. Think I think, yeah.
2: I, think uh, I think they come pre-installed those
3: files
2: <laughs> as, as part of the Windows file structure.
1: <laughs> yes. That's
2: obviously, obviously, obviously on Macs it's a different folder. It's i girls and i boys. Well, last well,
1: why everyone hates Windows XP, it got rid of the boys and girls folders.
0: <laughs> yeah, I
2: and, what's and even just worse met, is you just know blended them into an Internet Explorer icon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what's even worse is you know on on those late nights when you just just maybe a little bit curious and then suddenly clippies all in your face in. Saying... Ooh, looks like you need to change your preferences.
1: <laughs> looks like you're very lonely. Shall I open up the boys' folder? <laughs> you're eating cold beans at 11 p.m. I think Clippy knows what you want. <laughs> oh, there's a whole
2: there's a whole section of our audience going, what the is
1: Clippy. Clippy's a cult figure now. Is
3: it? Yeah,
1: there's a, there's a definite cult of Clippy. I don't know if it extends it? much beyond <laughs> elder millennials who've gone slightly mad, but it's there. The thing is,
2: Clippy was so much more than just Clippy, you know. There were other characters.
1: No one remembers them, do they?
2: No. There was one that was a kind of robot tank thing.
0: Are you sure you're not thinking of Transformers again, Mick?
2: Hold on. <laughs> oh, did I dream it?
1: So it's come to this. A man <laughs> looking up Clippy on hair.
2: Right, the other office assistants were The Dot, a shape-shifting smiley-faced red ball Oh, that's right on the topic Oh, I remember the... A smile Yeah Hoverbot, a robot The Genius, a caricature of Albert Einstein
1: Oh my God, why do I remember all these?
2: Office logo, a jigsaw puzzle composed of four pieces. Mother Nature, a globe. Scribble, a scribble, an origami
0: cat. I'm pretty sure at least half of these are just members of the Doom Patrol. Yeah, I was going to say it's Power got a
1: definite superhero team up book vibe, hasn't it?
2: Power Pup, a superhero dog. <laughs>
0: That's literally just crypto. <laughs>
2: And Will, a caricature of William Shakespeare. However, in Office 2000, there was a change to the traditional lineup.
0: Oh, good, is this the post crisis one?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> in which case, uh, we said goodbye to Hoverbot, Scribble, and Powerpup, who were replaced by F1, a robot, Lynx a cat, and Rocky, a dog.
1: Wow. What a trip down memory lane that was.
2: There was also Earl, a safe boarding alien.
1: Oh my God! (laughs) The 90s, everyone!
0: Did he also have a backwards baseball (laughs) cap
2: on? a green parrot. And in the East Asian editions, the monkey King
3: <laughs> oh
2: man, you can even get Mac a Macintosh plus computer how
1: did how did Microsoft's grip on the market ever loosen? I wonder <laughs>
0: oh. Anyway, Watchmen... Yeah, that's an unbelievably yes.
1: huge tangent, isn't it? Where do you want to go from there, Andrew?
2: <laughs> that was a smiley face dog. True, true. That's where I'm going with it. That's my link.
0: Yeah, which... I mean, again, yes, reiterate, the best thing this film does is definitely the visuals, I think.
2: Yeah. Yes. I mean, you from, from the opening credits onwards, you definitely know this is based
1: on Watchmen. And though, though we must mention those opening credits, mustn't we? Because they are, in many ways, the big swing, the big addition to what Moorer and Gibbons cooked up, and they work beautifully.
0: Yes, because it's essentially the entire kind of, I guess, sort of prequel to the main story, kind of following the Minutemen in the the nineteen twenties. Just done yeah. as a montage to the times they are, are changing. Yes. And yes. it's pretty great. It's one of those things where if you didn't know before, you'd definitely watch it and go, Ah, Zack Snyder started a music video. Who is... <laughs>
3: <laughs> you you do,
1: certainly, but there is also real storytelling muscle in it. And I think one of the oddest things that I remember thinking as I sort of left the cinema after seeing this for the first time was that you could absolutely get the whole of the original comic in if you told it in a style that was more conducive to getting across lots of information if you told it in the montage driven style that brought things like goodfellas and fight club and city of god to the screen where there is there is very heavy information there when you watch goodfellas it always blows my socks off the the first 20 minutes of that are just narration you're about 20 25 minutes into that before anyone even has a conversation on screen and you're gripped because it's just pure technique but the the montage yeah, section I, I, the, I
0: don't think that's ever occurred to me before that yeah, yeah. wow that, that's Scorsese.
1: That's Scorsese, yeah. Um, uh, someone should get him to do a comic book movie. I bet he'd really love to be offered one.
0: Oh, definitely as part of the MCU.
2: But you would have to reintroduce the Tracksuit Mafia.
1: See, that's a joke I don't I'm... get. Ah, you see. The tables have turned.
0: I mean, that yeah. does mean that you've not met. Red Matt Faction's Hawkeye, so you need to go fix that. Okay,
1: fair, yes. But yeah, it uh, the reason why that opening credit sequence is so great is that it is for better or worse, the one bit of the film which reconceptualizes the comic to try and turn it into a yeah. film form. Sometimes, as I say, I'm very happy that it has not been rethought. Sometimes there is a real thrill of as you say Mick, seeing these images and realising that they are exactly the images from the comic book, but I just wish there could have been a bit more boldness in how some of the information was presented
2: Uh, Yeah, and I I think I think the other thing is uh, and we sort of touched on it before with the fact that when this comic came out in 1985
0: 86
1: Okay. 86. Yeah, one year out. You've got your pop master t-shirt.
0: Yeah. yeah. Do you want to know the worst part? I knew that off the top of my head. <laughs> Do you want to know the even worse part than that? Go on. It's because it came out one year after Mark Grunwald's Squadron Supreme for Marvel, which is like Watchmen but, I mean, I like it because it didn't ruin comics forever. <laughs> it's actually really good. It's about like basically the Justice League, but not the Justice League in a world where they decide that they're just going to take over the world.
1: Fair. Yes. What was the
2: second half of your point, Mick? (laughs) So the the preoccupation with the Cold War and nuclear Armageddon and everything like that was definitely there. Mm. And I think that's why the comic had the impact that it had. As much as the the new approach to superheroes. Yeah. Albeit a recycled approach, as we found out from a previous publication the previous year. Which I believe was 1985.
0: <laughs> well, well remembered, Nick. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but 20 odd years on, when this film came out, I just wonder if maybe they might have gone down a different tack than the nuclear threat being the the backdrop. And I get that it's supposed to be a period piece, Mm. but it's a period piece for people who, especially those who snuck in underage, (laughs) wouldn't have ever grown up in.
1: Yeah, it's fair, and I think that's why... All of the what if versions of Watchmen, all of the Watchmen movies we nearly got are fascinating to me, but the one that I would love to find out more about is Paul Greengrass's version, which apparently got quite far into pre-production and would have said it in the present day. And I don't know what he would have done with that. It might have been a disaster, but I'm desperate to know what it was all about.
0: Mm. Yeah, because I certainly think, I mean, before the boys kind of went off the deep end a bit, I think that certainly had some interesting ideas about, you know, superheroes recontextualized, like, post-war on terror. Mm. But also, yeah. I don't know how much, if you're actually doing that in the early 2000s, does that come across as a new you one's you stake And how much is it? What if we had a whole super team of Jack Bowers? (laughs)
1: Yes. And it's difficult because you can't really do it without massively overstating the threat of terrorism, really, can't you? That uh, the the war on terror was what analysts like to euphemistically call asymmetrical. It wasn't two massive empires staring each other down like the Cold War was. And I think to make Ozymandias' solution work, you would have to inflate Al-Qaeda into something they never were. But that's assuming that they wanted to make Ozymandias' plan the same, though. That could have been completely changed. I just don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, I guess you would have to... Because that—that that is essentially... There's something there, isn't there? Because that's basically what US foreign policy is, which is well, one group from this country have done a bad thing therefore we must bomb the whole country yes,
1: yeah, every single thing that opposes us is an existential threat to us
0: yeah, I mean this is I'm not sure I'd recommend it but this kind of ties in a lot with Mark Millar's The Ultimates Ah, which is a really it's not a good comic but it's a very interesting comic right right because it is it's very much what if the avengers but like they came into existence post 9-11 mm. and they're all horrible people from from mark
1: miller you say that sounds like i uh, know shocking yeah, bit of a u-turn again
0: mark miller i think is one of these people who took very much the wrong lesson from oh Watchmen. god
1: yeah absolutely yeah um but how do we feel about the ending by the way because that's that's the other big thing that's changed from the comic
3: yeah it's
2: bear in mind and I, I watched the directors cut, mm. um so it was about a quarter of a justice league <laughs> in length um. <laughs> So it was uh, three hours and 20 minutes before I got a finale, and it it felt a bit meh.
1: I do admire the work they do to set it up a bit more thoroughly. Uh, I do fully understand why they didn't use the squid. I like that it's a global threat. I guess the the argument would be that after 9-11, you just cannot get away with saying that a massive attack on New York is going to bring all the yeah. nations of the world together in peace because we'd all seen that yeah. not happen. But yeah. I think the big mistake in it is having the threat impersonate Dr. Manhattan's powers because I don't think that would make everyone very well-disposed towards America. If the American no. citizen, who was America's biggest superweapon, replacing the American army, had just gone mad and decided to murder everyone, I think that would make yeah. people a bit pissed off at
0: America. Yeah. I uh, Yeah, I think Well, that's... maybe
2: that's what he meant by sacrificing millions to save billions. In a co- a, co- a, co- a coordinated rest of the world attack on America.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> I mean that's an even darker ending, isn't it?
0: <laughs> but yeah, I think it's definitely a valid point. I just I think my thing is kind of there's an element of suspension of disbelief. But then there's also an element of suspension of disbelief from the original ending of the comic as well. Yeah. Because you have to assume that everyone just go like just takes it as space face value. Oh I said space value. <laughs> but yeah, it's the idea that everyone goes, Oh, yep, this is definitely an evil alien from space, so we all better band together. And no one goes, Hmm, seems a bit fishy to me.
1: Yes. <laughs> I suppose if you wanted to do that ending without the kind of goofiness of the squid i would accept ozymandias feigning a sort of independence day style global wave of hostile ufos i guess that that's the yeah. middle ground i'm the conciliator here i have found the third way
0: yeah i, I think that definitely works probably better hmm.
2: although. If he'd stuck with the squid idea, yeah, it could have served as a prequel to The Suicide Squad.
3: <laughs>
1: You're suggesting that they've made a massive starfish to fight the massive squid. Yes. Lovely. Yeah, I can go for that.
0: I mean, I would watch that film. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you could make a giant mech to fight the starfish and then it's just Pacific Rim. Yes <laughs> Watchmen too, where all the Watchmen have different mechs and they all merge together
1: <laughs> There's a lot of Transformers references on this episode, aren't there?
0: <laughs>
3: there really is I
0: don't know why Transformers has been linked so tightly to Watchmen, but mm. here we are
2: Ah, oh, they—they they both have their uh, inceptions in the uh, in the eighties, don't they?
1: Yes, both very different responses to the eighties.
0: Yes. Yeah. Just have a mild niggle about Watchmen as well.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Why is there a Rorschach action figure?
1: Yeah, that's...
0: Well, why is this, like, actual dangerous criminal got his own action figure?
1: <laughs> now you can play out his childhood trauma.
2: Here's the thing, though, right? It must be a really dull action figure. Right? Because the most exciting thing about Rorschach is his changing mask. Mm. So what do you do? As you play with the action figure, just constantly replace his head. With... <laughs>
0: different no mask. Oh,
2: what was I, that um... He-Man character? Manny yes. yes. Where the action figure just had a rotating... Finally,
1: thing. we've moved on from Transformers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, to something with a real artistic merit. <laughs>
1: I suppose it's one of those things, isn't it? Because I dearly love Alan Moore as a human being and his comics have given me so much joy. And I I feel like I never thoroughly love an adaptation of his work. The Lindelof series gets closest because it's not really an adaptation of his work.
0: Yes, it is, Graham. That's right on the show.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you invalidate that whole episode.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I I don't want to hurt with a dad, uh. But there <laughs> there are several things in this very flawed movie that I think are pretty
3: great.
0: It is. I mean, I guess with that, I think that probably brings us nicely into let's rank it on the list. Indeed. Okay. Yeah. So this is going on the big old list of films. From you ex- know,
2: I keep suggesting that we have a, a, a separate list for animations. Mm. I'm thinking, should we not have a separate list for it?
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel like if we keep taking your suggestions, Mick, we're going to get to a point where just every film is number one because <laughs> it's the, the ch- only entry in its own <laughs> list.
2: And then, and, then, and then the Christmas special can be all ranking our own list.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: But yes, for now this is just going on the big list of films, from a okay. history of violence at number one, uh, to Spawn at number forty-seven.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa! We we got in beneath Morbius.
0: Oh yeah, we we yeah. found a film worse than Morbius. <laughs> have you seen? I more? never
1: have. No.
2: Right.
0: You shouldn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you you know how there are some films that are so bad that they're yes.
3: Dead? Morbius is, uh Spawn is <laughs> right. <laughs> I
0: mean to be fair, neither is Morbius. Yeah, that's true,
2: yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I corrected myself though. But...
0: Well, I think first things first, the Snyder Cut of Justice League is at number thirty six. This is definitely a lot better than that.
1: Yes,
2: agreed. If, if nothing else, it's much
1: shorter. That's, there aren't many films where you can say that Watchmen is much shorter than them, but that is one of them. Jacques Rivette's <laughs> out one is one of them and this is another.
0: Yeah, that's... Oh, I I know where to look. So, uh, at the moment, From Hell, ah. which is another one of our Alan Moore episodes is number 23 uh, above that we have Blade and so Blade is number 22 and below it at 24 we've got the old guard uh, also number 25 X-Men in the 2000 film number 26 is Black Adam which I forgot I listed as X-Men Black Adam Apocalypse <laughs> <laughs> Because they're the same (laughs) film.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think probably just beneath Blade is a fair point to put it.
2: Yes. Yes, it it hasn't got the nightclub scene going Mm, for it. Yes.
0: Yes, I think specifically just because it doesn't have a blood rave, Watchmen can go in as our new 23.
2: There
0: we go. Which, yeah, to be fair, I know we've been quite down on it in the episode. Not a bad showing.
1: No, no, no. Like I say, probably the most flawed film that I'm always happy to rewatch again.
2: What even above Absolute Beginners?
1: <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a certain sense of duty in rewatching Absolute
3: Beginners, I guess. <laughs>
1: No, but that, actually that's a great comparison watchmen is the absolute beginners of superhero cinema isn't there just with the <laughs> slightly fewer musical numbers by shardy but other than that
2: also there are bigger names in absolute beginners god that's actually I mean,
1: literally true isn't it
2: yeah you've got how for crying out
1: yeah Yeah, there's no one on the level of Lionel Blair in Watchmen.
2: (laughs) It's true, it's true. To be fair, in Watchmen, there's not even anybody on the level of Patsy (laughs) Kenza. They're all Lenny O'Connells, aren't they? Yes!
0: Well, I assume that means something to someone.
1: It means something to anyone who's listened to the uh, excellent pop screen episode that Mick and I did on uh, Absolute Beginners a couple of years back.
2: Where where we found undiscovered, previously undiscovered joys in watching Absolute Beginners.
1: Yes.
0: Uh, well, since you've already started with the shameless self promotion, Graham, where can people find you? Uh,
1: my day job <laughs> is Pop Screen, the geek show podcast covering pop stars in the movies. I'm a writer for Byline Times, the geek show, horrified. Occasionally, we are called, so I'm always intimidated by how much more everyone knows about weird '70s kids TV shows than me. So I don't write as much for that as I'd like to. Uh, I'm on Letterboxd. It's Graham Williamson, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram at GrahamWFilm.
0: Great, lovely stuff. And with that, I think it's about it from us. If you want to listen to more, you can find all our episodes on the feed or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you subscribe to the show, you'll make sure you never miss an episode. If you want to get in touch, our email is beholdpod at gmail.com or you can follow us on Twitter at BeholdPod. Also, if you are a fan, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review on your podcast app of choice or recommended us to a friend. It's the best way for us to grow as a show and reach new listeners. So, that's everything. Until next time, I've been Andrew.
1: I've been and met. I've been Graham.
0: So long, and thanks for listening.